Hello everyone and welcome to episode 226 of the ROH cast. My name is Harry. I am the web designer and sole owner of ROHworld.com and I'm here with the other member of the ROH cast A team. The American Bearded Nightmare. The podcast <laughs> bandit, is that you? I don't Whoever you are. John is here. So you've done the whole takeover. You are no longer co-owner. You outed Steven. That is correct. There has been a takeover. And I am the sole owner of ROHworld.com. Stuff Pants Steven is no more. <laughs> well, I guess if you've listened to the last 105 episodes of the ROH cast, you would have understood how that went down. Exactly. It's been, it's, it, you know, the Stuff Pants saga started at episode 100 and it's took all these number of episodes, over 200 odd episodes to get here. <laughs> That is some... And it's finally been resolved with me as the co-owner. You can go back to the previous weeks to hear how that all happened. That is some long-term storytelling. That is amazing. I know, we... I know, it's incredible. So, John, how have you been? I have been fantastic. How about yourself? I've been excellent. And the reason we're here for this very special episode of the RH cast is that I was there at Supercard of Honor 10, day two in Dallas, Texas. I attended my first ever Ring of Honor event, so we're here to do a one-off review of that. And John has watched his first Ring of Honor show in, I assume, many years? And about two, whatever the last actual ROH cast was. Before that was the last time I actually watched the show. <laughs> I think before this, the, the, the last full event I watched would have been whatever Glory by Honor took place in uh, 2013. I... Whatever... There was like Champions vs. All-Stars, I think might have been the main event. I think that might have been the last thing I watched. Because shortly after that, I departed from the podcast, handed it over to the uh, American Revolution, John and Dez, and then didn't watch it since. I'm looking up the like, Glory by Honor, and yeah, that looks like a show. All right. Looks like a show. Well, that's great insight that you always get from the <laughs> RH cast right there. Um, so I guess we don't really have the usual segments here. There's no news because we don't, neither of us watch Ring of Honor on an active basis. We don't run the website. We kind of just let it do its own thing. So there's no news. There's no questions, obviously, this week. But we have got our review from the two different perspectives. I was there live and John um, has watched it on the video on demand. So well, you said, the show be- uh, I'm, I'm, Go ahead. You said there were no questions, but I have a question. What was your first ever live Ring of Honor experience like? If you, if you had to like sum it up in a few words. Good. I enjoyed <laughs> it. I had, I had a good time. The problem is, I went to NXT TakeOver Dallas the night before. So this was merely, not even 24 hours after that. It was the Saturday afternoon, NXT was on the Friday night. So, you know, just coming after that show, going straight into this. It, it couldn't top that, but it was still a good show. I still enjoyed it, as we'll get into the matches just now. Um, have you ever been to a Ring of Honor show before, John? I have not. Apparently, they were like four hours away from me a couple months ago, and I had no idea where I probably would have went. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've never I've never been. So that's lack of dedication. I went all the way to Dallas. You... Ten and a half hour flight to see <laughs> Ring of Honor. Day two, specifically. Specifically day two. You wanted to see that Cheeseburger versus Jay Lethal match. Well, that is a perfect segue, John, because the show began with Jay Lethal defending the Ring of Honor World Championship against Cheeseburger. Now, 
if you want to talk about an ROH fantasy booking match, <laughs> you've got a heel Jay Lethal as the world champion defending the belt against Cheeseburger. It's like we're in charge, John. What is this? It's like all those stands you took back in the day to make Jay Lethal the heel world champion had finally come I told you. Come I told through. you it was going to happen. <laughs> but the... I may have been off by about two years, but I was right. You're just ahead of the curve. You, you have all these gr- revenue, revolutionary and groundbreaking ideas. Exactly. And now Delirious is finally coming through with it. But before the match... I, I think what's been happening is Delirious has been listening to the old RH cast episodes. Like, yes, that's genius. Struggling for ideas. That's genius. He's like, yes! you <laughs> somebody who's stuffing their pants. Yes! <laughs> One thing I did know is that Jay Lethal appeared to have House of Truth theme music, but there was no Truth Martini. Do you know where Truth Martini is, John? They talked about somebody breaking his neck. <laughs> what? <laughs> because at first, no. because one of my first notes is like, "Where's Truth Martini?" Then somebody further down just says that, "Yeah, he broke his neck." Who was the? Co- Obviously, I can't hear the commentary being in the venue, but it was Kevin Kelly and Carino, right? Yes. How was Kevin Kelly? They both said some odd things at some odd times that I jotted down. Overall, okay. They, overall, okay. they were adequate, I'd say. Okay. Because but... I've been listening to some old RH cast episodes recently, and we we hated on Kevin Kelly every single week. Like, just pure hatred for the man. I think a lot of the weird things I wrote down were actually from Steve Carino. Oh, wow. I'm sure we'll uh, come across that but I'm not... as we go to the show. But as you were saying, John, the show, how did the show begin? It actually started with the House of Truth coming out with Lethal. Uh, he had Taylor Hendricks with them. They talked about the return of Colt Cabana. And... Which occurred the night before at uh, night one, I believe. Yes, it happened at night one, so Lethal just talked about that, and then he challenged his cheeseburger for what I thought was a title match. Did you? Did, did people in the crowd think it was a title match? Yes. Oh, never mind. That was the title match. Never mind. I was, I was one match off. So Cheeseburger comes out with an actual cheeseburger in his hand. Yes, like a sort of a... Like a plush cheeseburger. A plush cheeseburger. Now, I didn't have much chance to check out the merch stand, but if they're not selling those, that's a huge... Missed opportunity. So I would buy at least three. <laughs> and then when Bobby Cruz announces the match, the camera is literally zoomed in so close on his face. It is on cheeseburger. No, on, on Bobby Cruz's. <laughs> okay. It's like they tried to do. You ever watch UFC with like Bruce Buffer? How it's like really. Yeah. They yeah, kind of yeah. tried to do that, but it was weird. So where <laughs> where were your seats? Like, what was your view like for this show? So I was second row. Um. And the so I was right in the center ringside, and the entrance way was to my right. Nice. So you had pretty awesome seats then. So if you can imagine roughly where that would be, um, I was sort of behind where Kerry Silken was sat, um, and I could see Kevin Kelly. I was hoping he could. He was going to ask me if I could smell anything. <laughs> but he unfortunately, didn't this time. Oh, good thing they didn't have any ether because you would probably passed out. I would have been marked. If Ether happened on this show, I would have been marking out so much. <laughs> it would have been incredible. I was marking out enough for Cheeseburger getting a world title shot. So I guess let's go ahead and go into the match. Uh, there was some weird commentary. They called Jay Lethal the first, the greatest first-generation wrestler. Which I, I believe that was his ring introduction as well, wasn't it? I, Unless I'm misremembering that. I think so, but why... Just say first generation. Why not say he's the greatest wrestler? That kind of gives you like a weird limitation on how great he actually is. <laughs> like he's he's really great for what he is, but he's not better he's than excellent. he's not better than these guys. They're second generation. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, overall, like, how, how was this dream match for you? I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was pretty fun, too. Yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't too long. It kind of didn't overstay its welcome. Um, it wasn't too one-sided. Now, obviously, they couldn't have Cheeseburger completely destroying Jay Lethal because he is the Ring of Honor World Champion. Um, but he got, but I thought he... he got in enough offense to not make it a complete and utter... Exactly, yeah, exactly. It was it was exactly what it should have been with those two competitors in there. Um, one of the guys I was with at one point thought Cheeseburger was actually going to win the belt, um, which would have been incredible. <laughs> you would have probably stormed the ring and hugged him and like put him on your shoulders <laughs> and paraded him around. Oh, that would have been amazing. Um, Jay Lethal won the match with the Lethal Injection. Now, did Kevin Kelly call it correct? He's had many years to learn the name of the move now. He actually called that and the Hail to the King correctly for, I think, the first time ever. <laughs> One thing I did notice, I'm pretty sure Lethal shouted out Lethal Injection before he did it. I think that's to give Kevin Kelly an assist. <laughs> this is what the move's called, Kevin. <laughs> so, Lethal wins clean, correct? Yes. Well, after the match, Carino goes, the crowd may disagree with the way he wins, but they respect him. He won clean. He just won with the, he just won with the lethal injection, right? So unless the crowd just hates that move now? Uh, maybe. I don't know. So anyways, after the match, Colt Cabana comes out and challenges lethal right now. So when this match started, did people think that was a title match? I personally did, yes. Because I did too. Because he came out talking about wanting a title shot, and Jay Lethal essentially said he didn't deserve it. He can't just come back to the company after so many years and instantly go to the front of the line and get a title shot. And Lethal was just saying, no, Cabana egged him on, said something about his balls or something. Yeah, I wrote it down. He, he said, like, because there's no truth martini out there means he lost his balls. And <laughs> I said, think Colt Cabana should have said, because there's no truth martini, you think you lost your weenie because that rhymes more. <laughs> that would have been, if Cabana would have said that, that would have been incredible. But but I don't know. But I'm not I'm not a wrestling writer, so who knows? Unfortunately, but, maybe one day, John. But during this whole segment, Cheeseburger was still laid out motionless on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, Cabana egged Lethal into a match, which I thought was for the belt until Cabana won. And yeah, I I. He, I even thought he won the title. I was like, "Wait, what?" And then yeah, and and then he and then I think Lethal like stormed out with the title. I was like, "Oh, that's." Did the commentary not make that clear? Like it was for the belt, or no? At least I didn't. At least I didn't hear it. So there we go. Yeah, the match was fine. Um, I've never been the, the, the biggest Cabana fan, but I think it's just a way to justify him getting a title shot. That must be why it was there. Yeah, and for it. And they'll, they'll have a full main event style match at an upcoming show that may or may not have already been announced. Neither of us have checked the Ring of Honor news as of late, but um, I, I assume that's where they're going. Yeah, it seemed more of just like the finishing stretch of a of a match. It was more of a segment than an actual fully yeah, fledged actual match. And match. It, it was fine to advance the storyline. Yeah. I'm okay with Cabana getting like a one off one off title shot against Lethal. Yeah, I think that's fine. Especially because I probably won't Should watch be. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, moving on, we had Matt Seidel, reborn Matt Seidel, and ACH defeating the All Night Express, Rhett Titus, and Kenny King. Yeah, Matt Seidel and ACH is a pretty awesome, awesome combination for a team. Absolutely. I was surprised to see the All Night Express come out. 
I was cheering them, not realizing they were currently heels, because I just assumed it was 2011 or whenever <laughs> they were a team in faces. But uh, yeah, ACH and Sidel make a good, uh, good team. Yeah, before the match, ACH really liked pointing. I'm not sure if you realize that or not. I I can't say I noticed him pointing. To he was pointing everywhere, like pointing at everybody, like going in circles, got on the apron, started pointing around. He didn't point at me. And well, he pointed so much that Steve Carino acknowledged it, saying, if he makes a wave breakout, I'm going to poop my pants. <laughs> so he. What did you think of this tag team match where uh, Seidel and ACH picked up the victory? I actually thought it was pretty good. I think Seidel yeah. and ACH is a really good combination. Not on Express is a solid group. I'm a bigger Kenny King fan than Rhett Titus, but they work really Dog. well together. Dog. And, yeah, I think they work really well together. And, yeah, I thought this was a, a good match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one, actually. Um, so, down ACH worked really well as a team. The finish was good. I believe it was a shooting star into a 450 from ACH on Rhett Titus, I want to say. Um, but, yeah, good match. I was surprised to see Kenny King back in Ring of Honor because, obviously, the last time we did that podcast... He just bailed and went to TNA with the belt. So, yeah, good to see him back, and hopefully the Orna Express are doing well. Yeah, because it was weird. Like, how, how he left was just completely under controversy, so it was good to see him come back and... Yeah, they've patched things up. I always thought he'd be, like, the next big thing in wrestling. I thought he was going to be, like, a superstar, but it really hasn't panned out for a while. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how his run in TNA went, but it, it is a bit weird in a way, coming back to Ring of Honor... How many years has it been since, you know, two and a bit years? And he's kind of in the exact same spot he was. Yeah, because I think he'd be better off, probably better off on his own. Cause... At this point, I think All Night Express have probably done all they can do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they, they won the belts, didn't they? They were they won the be- champions at one point. Yeah, they won the oh, then he left. Then he, immediately, yeah. then he immediately left. So, yeah. then Rhett Titus, so, like... so then Rhett Titus teamed with BJ Whitmer and the BJ Express. <laughs> then he joined Scum as well, didn't he? And then it just all just went downhill from there. Yeah. So that's one thing actually that's interesting when you look when we discuss this show is how the superstars have progressed since we last watched it. Because obviously it's been quite a while. So I I didn't. Did you struggle at all? Here we are, not watch Ring of Honor for two to three years, watching night two of a show. <laughs> I didn't like, I wasn't confused at all about what's going on. It just kind of, it felt like it could have been, you could slot this show in back when we used to watch it. I was thinking the exact same thing, because a lot of the matchups we got, other than, say, like the Will Ferrara and Donovan Dijak match, who weren't you know around when we were watching, Mm-hmm. Or something like the Beer City Bruiser and things like that. Oh, get about. Oh, get on to him. I tell you. But that. a lot of these matches we could have seen two, two and a half years ago. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting seeing what little has changed almost in a way since we watched it. Yeah, other because Lethal was going for the world title when we were watching it, and obviously I was making that stand that he was going to be the champion. Here he is, the champion. Cheeseburger was the same sort of role. So as we, as we go through the rest of the show, we can see how it compares. But uh, a match we never would have seen all those years ago was Donovan Dijak with Prince Nana in his corner. How hard did you mark so, out when he walked out? I was I was cheering. I was <laughs> cheering. I was so happy to see him there. I was just paying attention to him. He was just rambling on at ringside. It was incredible. Defeating Will Ferrara in a singles match. And apparently there was somebody named Joey Diesel Daddiego on commentary. Who was 
Yeah, was that the person that the crowd were chanting Tiny Teaster at? <laughs> I guess so. But Because two of the matches had random people on commentary, and I think there was the first one. There must have been this. It had to be, because the other There was a small group chanting Tiny Teaster. It had to be. Whoever yeah. this guy was. Yeah, so apparently he was feuding with Dijak and attacked him the night before, and they've been in a feud for a while, based on what the right, commentary. Okay. okay. I see. Um, what was his name? I, it sounded like it was Joey Diesel Diego. What a name. Um, what did he think? I was quite impressed with the Dijak, I, apart from he, that one fuck-up he did. Apart from the faceplant? Yeah, where he faceplanted himself. I don't know if he edited that at all, but it was just like, oh, ouch. Um, yeah. Prince Nana wasn't happy with that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, thought, I was quite impressed with him I, for his size. Really athletic. I was too. He was really good. Other than that one, other than that one slip up, but apparently hmm. he is the one who broke Truth Martini's neck. Now is this k- kayfabe or is he Truth Martini legitimately got a broken neck? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Great reporting on ROH cast <laughs> right here. But yeah, I was really impressed by Dijak. Will Ferrara not so much because he. I don't remember anything he really did, but. No, I'm the same. I was there live, and I honestly couldn't tell you anything that Ferrara really did. Um, I mean, he seemed fine. It wasn't like I was going, oh, this guy's terrible, but he's kind of forgettable. Um, whereas Dijak, me and my friends obviously went to the show. We were all saying, feast your eyes, <laughs> for a few days after this event. Um, yeah, it was quite impressive. Um, it kind of reminded me of the early days of Nana with Champa. Yeah, when you can see some potential and it works well having Nana with him, but maybe one day he could break out and be a sort of a, a bigger star by himself. Yeah, I think so. That's a good that's a good comparison because, like like you said, Chapa was somebody who not many people knew, and I'm sure pe- more people know Dijak than we do because he's probably yes. been around for a bit. But I think that's a good step stone <laughs> launching point for him. And he he had some impressive stuff like a moonsault. He yeah, he leaped to the outside as well. Was that the way? It was Moonsault to the outside, wasn't it? It was to the outside, and it almost yeah. actually completely missed Ferrara. <laughs> I thought that from where I was sat. I was like, oh, but it was still impressive it was st- for him to be, able to, to be able to do that. And he did like a cool like choke slam backbreaker. He had a lot of cool moves. Yeah. Now, where because I'm just looking at Wikipedia for the results, which doesn't have promo segments. Where was the moose segment? Was that next, or was that earlier, or that, is that coming up? That's that's later in the show. Okay, well, remind me when we get to that, because um, I don't have that on my list here. The next thing I have is a two out of three falls match, as Bobby Fish defeated Roderick Strong two to one. Well, before this, on the broadcast, there was a commercial for a cheeseburger shirt. Yes. And it was simultaneously the worst and best thing I have ever seen. The t-shirt or the advert? The advert. <laughs> it was so awful. It was like one of it, I can't even begin to describe it. It's like they shot enough footage to do like a 10-second commercial and okay. and they and they stretched it into about 40 seconds. I really want to watch it, this. It was I'll have to watch this later. So odd and so strange but amazing at the same time. See, this is the thing about being there live. You miss out on amazing moments like that. But I just know I want a cheeseburger shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, two out of three falls. It seems that Red Dragon is still a thing. They're faces. Bobby Fish was 
excellent, like he always has been, as was Roderick Strong, and I really liked this match. I thought it was excellent. It was pretty good. I'm, I'm going to say it was on, on I guess, broadcast. It was a little bit disappointing. I expected a little bit more. So I'm sure mm. this is one of those that was a lot of fun to watch live. Yes. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. But it came across as kind of flat and paint-by-numbers when it was right. through the broadcast. One of, my, one of the things I really liked, though, was that <laughs> near the beginning of the match, Roderick Strong tried climbing through the crowd just to get away from Bobby Fish within like the first five minutes. <laughs> he was like, nope, never mind. I don't want to do this match anymore. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good match. I did have a point I was going to make. Totally forgotten what it was, which is not good at all. Um, well, I, John? I, I, can, I can kind of take us through this match. Roderick Strong uses a uh, distraction, uses a ref distraction to hit the end of Heartache to get the first fall. Yeah. So he goes up one nothing. Uh, but beginning of the second fall, Kerry Silken and two random guys walk down the aisle, and it's very noticeable. I don't know what was going on there. There's one spot that a lot of independent companies do that I don't like. It is the fake countout spot, where they lay on the outside, especially in Ring of Honor when it's a twenty count, and the, mm. they lay on the outside till the count of nineteen, then they just jump up and dive into the ring. Oh, yeah. One thing that threw me off about that is, you know, this new thing that seems to be going on where the crowd chant one number ahead of the ref. Yeah, what is that? I don't get it. I don't know. I hate it. I, I don't know if I just come across like an old man, but I went to lo- obviously I went to loads of shows WrestleMania weekend, and that chant really annoys me because I just get confused. I'm like, <laughs> wait, was that a count out? I thought he got counted out because the crowd were going like 20 and everything. I was just was like, so annoyed. Be, I don't know where that came from. That'd be the most disappointing ending to a two out of three falls match ever. <laughs> like a fall count out. It was also interesting hearing a few chatters from people around me confused that it was going to 20. Obviously, these are just people in the area for WrestleMania weekend who perhaps aren't more aware of the product and the 20 count rule. Um, I don't know if this came across in the broadcast, but could you ever hear the the fan heckling the referees throughout the night? I didn't, actually. I, if I did, I didn't mark it down or anything. Yeah, because he was sat right by me, so maybe just because it was one fan, it never came across. But there's this one guy, he was hilarious. He was just heckling Todd Sinclair the entire night. <laughs> yeah, what I missed and... is that instead of counting the next number, they should go back to yelling Twinkies. That was, yeah, that was better than shouting a different number to what the ref's counting. Um, yeah, good two out of three falls match, so we'll move on to the next match. We're, we're War Machine who are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, Hansen and Raymond Rowe. Now, Raymond Rowe, that name rings a bell from when we used to watch Ring of Honor, but I can't remember, I can't say I'd seen him before, I just know the name. I think he was in the Top Prospects tournament, but before this, yeah. but before this match was the Moose segment. Okay, let's get on to that. What the hell happened, John? Because <laughs> I was there live, me and my friends were so confused about what seemed like 20 guys came to the ring. There was a couple of prostitutes, there was like a pimp guy, there was some guys in suits or whatever. They, they just flooded the ring, talked for a bit, I had no idea what was going on. Moose came out, who had an amazing chant, and then he destroyed every single one of them with practically the same maneuver, and then he left. You pretty much summed. John, you pretty much summed up exactly what happened. Yeah, but what happened? Who were those people, so they, and why was he beating them up? So their name is P Dog. Was the main guy P Dog? Who was the main guy? I couldn't tell who like the leader was. I think the guy, like the last person that Moose Spears was the main guy. Right. Okay. Because he did that. He put every single one on the corner and drop kicked him. He did. Yeah. So he was P Dog and the Get Along Gang. 
The Get Along Gang, right? Okay. And they kind of reminded me. You ever have you ever seen the show Trailer Park Boys? No. Oh, he reminds me of the character J Rock from Trailer Park Boys. Right. But wasn't the was this the group that had like really trashy Eva Marie in it? I believe so. And well, my favorite part of this whole thing is at the very beginning, P Dog gets in the ring, and the Get Along Gang picks up all the streamers from the floor. All the streamers. And they try yeah. to throw them in, and they fail miserably. Yeah. <laughs> they go like two inches and just like drape over like the second rope. Yeah, it's just a disaster. So basically, he comes out, talks trash about nothing important. Moose comes out, and how fun is the Moose chant to do? Oh, it's amazing. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun. I don't know who he was or anything, but I like doing that chant. So Moose comes out, hits drop, he, he puts it, like all, all the guys on the top rope and drop kicks them one by one to the floor. And then he pie faces one of the women. So she goes, yes. she, she goes to the ground, and then they drag, like the good on gang drag her out, and she belly flops so hard onto the, like onto the floor when they pull <laughs> I didn't her see out. That. <laughs> like she just like splats on the floor. Oh no! So then Moose dives over the top rope onto everybody. Yes, that was impressive. And either Kevin Kelly or Steve Carino yells, "The moose is loose." The moose is not soaring and scoring. Not soaring and scoring. Remember that was only for Eddie Edwards. Oh, damn it. Because remember when, I think, uh, what was his name, Caleb Seltzer tried saying that for somebody else, and he's like, nope, that's only for Eddie Edwards. He got, like, he got, like pissed <laughs> off about it. So then he spears P-Dog, and his manager, Stokely Hathaway, teases a special surprise in May he, on commentary, and then, like, between, like, each segment or match, when they bring up, like, the match card, they'd have, like, a star logo kind of shootout. To like, right. to, like, do the transition. Well, this logo shot out of Moose's crotch. Incredible. It was great. The Moose is loose. The Moose, the moose is indeed loose. Did, did Moose come out later in the show? He did. And cut the promo? Okay, because that really confused me. I thought it, he was, like, retaking... He was supposed to say that earlier, but we'll get on well, to it, that. Well, it was weird. Happened. I guess we can go ahead and get onto it now, because they teased a special surprise in May on commentary. Even Stokely Hathaway, his manager, yeah. got on to tease it. Then they came back out later... To say what the special surprise is, why not just? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought what had happened is that they were supposed to make that announcement when they first came out, but forgot or something, so then came out and redid it. But if it made it onto the broadcast, it must have been intended that way. Very strange. Anyway, but yeah, I, I liked what I saw of Moose. It would have been good to see him wrestle, but I, it was fun seeing him beat up all these guys, even though I was extremely confused. Yeah, he seems like a like special kind of guy. Big, huge, muscular, and athletic. So I think he can. Athletic, I yeah. think he can really go far. So if he can talk or not, I don't remember him him saying anything in particular. But as long as he can just say moose and do the chant, that's really all he needs. Got to do the arm as well. You got to bring your arm up in. Um, so yeah, then we do get onto War Machine, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, defeating Silas Young and the Beer City Bruiser. And it's a good thing that. Beer City Bruiser and Silas Young challenged them to a title match because otherwise we wouldn't have a title match on this show. This wasn't a title match. Yeah, they challenged them to the title match before the, before the uh, match began and War Machine agreed to it. So this this third impromptu match on this show. Wait, so this this was for the belt? This was for the belt. Before, before the match. They, was it? All yeah, right. Before the match, yeah, Beer City Bruiser and Silas Young talked trash and War Machine's like, sure, we'll put the belt on the line. I remember them talking trash, but I don't. I don't remember them War Machine, you know, actually agreeing to put the belts on the line. Well, they if they sure made it sound like they did on commentary. Oh, I was very. I didn't come across in person, but what did come across 
was how incredible the Beer City Bruiser is. I think Beer City Bruiser and Silas Young are like a perfect team because they both look like two gross dudes. Like, my friend couldn't stop marking out for the Beer City Bruiser. He absolutely <laughs> loved him. He was, he was trying to get a stretch mark City champion. <laughs> <laughs> so Beer City Bruiser. If the RH cast was still going weekly, Beer City Bruiser would be by far our favorite wrestler. He, he, was, he just looks like he's come off the street. He's there with his keg of beer. Was it there a uh, Bastion Booger chant? <laughs> yes, there was lots of Bastion Booger chants, yes. Well, rightfully so as well. Yeah, one of my notes is that a Beer City Bruiser needs more fabric on. He needs... I don't know. I think maybe even less fabric <laughs> would be even more amazing. Just like a G-string. <laughs> and he was with the last real man, Silas, Silas Young, as they took on Hanson and Raymond Rowe of the War Machine. Now... The thing I took away from this match was how amazing Beer City Bruiser was. I'm struggling to remember much about War Machine, to be honest. I think that they're just a couple of big power guys and not much else. They have impressive beards. There were some impressive like strength things they did to Beer City Bruiser, a man of his size. But I was also impressed with some of the stuff that Beer City Bruiser did. Yeah, he did like a flip to the outside and stuff like that. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's a good... Uh, I'm not sure how it really... Because I quite like Silas Young when we used to watch the Ring of Honor as a singles guy. And he was he was sort of feuding with Mark Briscoe and stuff. I remember the, the time we last watched it. Don't really know what's happened since then, but he seems to have acquired the Beer City Bruiser. And I'm pretty happy about that. I think everybody should acquire a Beer City Bruiser just to follow them around on life. <laughs> but yeah, there was a cool cool move where like Ro- like Raymond Rowe did a cool toss into like a, into like a knee. I'm not sure if you remember that. When Raymond did a what? Like he like tossed. I can't remember who he tossed. Either Silas or Beer City Bruiser into like a knee strike. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And Steve Carino goes on commentary. He calls that the three to five. And Kevin Kelly goes, "No, he doesn't." And Steve Carino goes, "Okay." That is, wow, that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got Kevin Kelly correcting you on moves, you know something's wrong. So then, after that. Was it Dalton Castle's match, or was there anything else that you had on the broadcast? Uh, it was Dalton Castle's match, but uh, a side slam leg drop combination retained the tag titles for War Machine. Good point. Yes, and, we should probably actually say who wins these matches. And before the match, I was thinking, like, oh, this doesn't look too good. But it was a surprisingly good match. Yeah. No, absolutely. When I saw the Beer City Bruiser, I thought, what is this? And then I saw War Machine. I thought, well, these guys are all too big. You're not going to make a good match out of this. But no, it was enjoyable. A lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think the fir- being there live is the first time you ever see the Bay City Brewers is, is an experience you'll never forget. <laughs> I'll tell you. Then we had Dalton Castle defeating BJ Whitmer with, I believe there was someone on commentary. Was it Adam Page? It was Adam Page. Adam Page, who uh, attacked BJ after the match. But I've heard of Dalton Castle. I'd never seen him before. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard a lot of hype about Dalton yeah, Castle. Yeah, and- same. Yeah, I was excited to see what he was all about, and I was not disappointed. And his when he's in the ring and he sort of shows his giant jacket with all the feathers, whatever it was on it, with these with the boys fanning him down, it's it's amazing. Yeah, the boys the uh, the entire match were killing me when they just like jump up, start fanning him. Yeah, um... and the crowd kept chanting "fan up." This goes "fan up" chant. It made me laugh every. And they're just fanning him like when he was in submission halls, they'd be fanning him trying to. <laughs> um. Yeah, there was, there was one fan. I don't know if this came across in the broadcast. It was really heckling BJ Whitmer once he had to retire. 
don't if you can hear that at all. That might have been me yelling like during the broadcast. It somehow got put back into, into the, the arena. Itself. Yeah, because oh, I don't like BJ Whitmer. No, I was never really a huge fan of his two, two and a bit years ago, let alone now. I mean, I thought he'd retired after Mike Bennett Broke destroyed him, but um, clearly not. But I'm glad Dalton Castle won. Yeah, he seems uh, like... Seems like... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, seems like BJ Whitman has a feud with Adam Page who's going, but yeah, I, was, I like Dalton Castle. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wrote down, he seems like a mixture of like Cirque du Soleil, Richard Simmons, Kip from Napoleon Dynamite, and Mick Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect summary. But he's also more just a character. He had some impressive moves in the ring, like the uh, deadlift, German suplex, and stuff like that. Mm. He was really, yeah. really a good wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if he can. Did he do a promo or anything? No, he didn't. He just came. I don't know if he's good on the mic or anything, but in terms of a big showman entrance, he had like a good entrance and gimmick, and then actually when he's in the ring, you kind of took him more seriously and. They had the obviously entertainment of the, the boys finding him down, but yeah, overall he was good. I, I can I understand the hype. Yeah, and there was a lot of weird commentary moments on here. But first, let me mention really? there was a BJ sucks chant. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, they don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> that, yeah, that was one chant I couldn't get behind, unfortunately. But uh, Adam Page says BJ doesn't care about anything but himself. Why try talking him out of, awkward pause, himself? What does that what? mean? Why try talk him out why try, himself? Why try talking him out of himself? That's so weird. Poor Adam Page. And then uh, Steve Freeman at one, one time said, uh, BJ isn't out here to entertain people or to have five-star matches. Well, I thought, well, he's definitely succeeding at that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, Don Castle beats him. Can't remember how. Yeah, Whitmer steals and stomps on one of the boys' masks. And yes, Castle... that was shocking. You can't demask the boys like and that. Castle gets pissed and absolutely kills him. It was like some kind of cool... I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a cool like spinning move like he did. Mm. But yeah, post-match, uh, Paige says that BJ lost a decade since the meeting because he was too obsessed with Steve Carino. Uh, yep. He says BJ should have been worried about him and sets up a San Antonio street fight for later this month. And Kevin Kelly goes, says the end date on Whitmer's tombstone will be April 23rd, 2016. Ooh, that's a bit uh, morbid there, that's Kevin Kelly. harsh. I don't think they yeah. actually kill each other. <laughs> wow, that is very deep there. But yeah, the, um, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know who the current TV champion is because he wasn't here. It was, it's, a, but I think... it's a New Japan guy. I think it's a oh, okay. Ishii or somebody that you really know, Harry. You're you're a big Japanese. Yeah, I've been watching, you know, I've been the talent scout for Ring of Honor for many years of Japanese wrestlers. Going undercover and undercover. getting them all over. Um, Dalton Castle would be a good TV champion if he's not already been TV champion. For all I know, he could have had like a two-year reign. <laughs> <laughs> then, was it Moose coming out again? I think, no, next was the four-way tag match. Okay, so we had a four-corner survival tag team match where the winner would receive a future Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match against War Machine, featuring the Briscoes, the Addiction, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian, Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson. 
John, what do you think of this? I think this match just proves how much TNA screwed up. Yes, this was incredible. This was a lot of fun, and I'm yeah. so happy to see the machine guns again. Yeah. but The Young Bucks were awesome as always. Yeah, they came out looking um, like Bailey with all their tassels. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. Really good match. They're, even Kaz and Daniels were still great, and they've been going a long time now, especially Daniels. Yeah, and it was like move after move after move after move. There's like no chance to catch your breath. No, it's it's exactly what you would expect with four teams of that caliber in there. Um, this match definitely worth a watch. Probably my favorite match of the night. I think. I think it was mine too. And yeah. there were just some really really cool spots. Like Kaz hit like a springboard DDT on the apron. Mm. Alex Shelley grabbed the Bucks by the crotch. <laughs> That did get a very brief Joey Ryan chant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that came across on uh, on the broadcast. There was a cool spot where like uh, Christopher Daniels pushes one of the young bucks off the top rope, and he does a moonsault out to the outside onto the Briscoe. Yes, yeah, that was incredible. Like he sort of springboard with his legs off the top rope and flipped backwards. And the, um, there's one spot I guess after the young bucks did their suck it thing, Kaz did it back to him, and Kevin Kelly yeah. goes, "When Kaz says it." It it just sounds dirty. Like he was like really like, <laughs> like he was really disgusted by it. <laughs> I was disappointed not to see a Meltzer driver. I will admit that I kind of wanted to see. Okay, it. I think that's what they're going for when Daniels pushed him off the top rope and it transitioned yes. into the moonsault. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, the Briscoes picked up the win. Is with the can you remember how? John? With a Doomsday device. I didn't write down on Doomsday who, device. But, that was it. But yeah, they they picked up the win. Oh, on on Daniels. Yes, so they are the new normal contenders in a match we will never see, but um, good for the Briscoes, I guess. Going for their 34th Ring of Honor tag team title reign? Yes. Um, I didn't really care who was... Obviously, if you're not invested in the product anymore, it really doesn't really matter who wins. I was, like The Briscoes are probably the least out of the four. They'd be at the bottom of who I'd actually want to win, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it was a really good match. I really enjoyed it, and it was good to be there live for something like this. Because it was, just, as you say, just non-stop... Go, go, go. There's no sort of rest or downtime. It was just entertaining throughout. Yeah, and it was probably my favorite match on the show as well. Yeah, I would agree. And, and next was the uh, Stokely Hathaway and Moose came back out. And uh, they say in May, for the first time ever, Moose will team with Okada. So I don't know why they couldn't announce this earlier, why they had to do something yes. for 20 minutes later, but that's what they did. <laughs> Keep you watching. <laughs> Well, my $15 invested kept me watching. <laughs> and there's one thing, annoying thing about the Ring of Honor video player. I'm not sure if it was something I could have easily fixed and didn't. But oh, at the bottom, there's no way to hide the time counter. Oh, really? So it kind of... That's annoying. Yeah, it kind of annoyed me because I, I know in the main event, oh, it's not ending yet. We still got 10 minutes. Oh, it's not ending yet. We got yeah. five minutes. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I could have fixed that and just couldn't figure out how to do it, but... That, was... that reminds me, at WrestleMania, during the Jericho and AJ match, they, they set up the giant BBOs box during that match. <laughs> so it kind of spoiled, like, oh, this is ending soon. It had to be weird just to see like these two guys wrestling and then a giant cereal box just be put up just in the background. Sort of constructed as they were wrestling. Yeah, it was odd. Um, but that's not, you know, not what we're here to discuss today. So we then got to the main event, which was a no-holds-barred match between the former teammates of Future Shock, I'm really dating myself there, as Kyle O'Reilly, 
who had a red dragon on his tights, John. Yes, and on his shirt. So I can cl- I can clearly this is how they turned face. I think they were heels by having the green lights and calling themselves Red Dragon, but then they turned face by embracing the <laughs> by, the by embracing the red. Exactly. Um, Kyle O'Reilly defeated Adam Cole in a very good match, a really sort of brutal match at times. Some of the spots they were doing, yeah, very hard hitting, very stiff. Um, good, yeah, very good main event. Yeah, like Cole immediately comes out and attacks Kyle O'Reilly during the entrance, like a chain or something. Yeah, with a chain that comes into play later, which I thought was just brutal at the end. Some of the stuff. Yeah, oh, it was. Uh, Adam Cole tried to super kick. But that that sort of highlighted something I didn't even click click click, click in my head till now was it was Adam Cole who introduced it, and then it kind of played into the end of the match and totally backfired against him. That's a good kind of thing where the match came full circle. Oh, that is good. I didn't even realize that either because I forgot all about the chain in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Adam Cole tried to super kick Kyle O'Reilly, but he moved and it just creamed Mandy Leon at ringside. Yeah, and Cole just stands there for a minute and then just shrugs. Cole's face. His expression was incredible. It's like, well, it, it happens. <laughs> he didn't care at all. It was, it was incredible. They have a barricade draped across the entranceway. Yeah, what happened there? Because from where I sat, I couldn't see that. Uh, O'Reilly, I think uh, O'Reilly sets it up, and then he gets his face smashed into it. Then Adam Cole gets on top and goes, Adam Cole, baby! Mm. And then they fight on top of it, and O'Reilly suplex Cole on top of the barricade that's draped across the entranceway. And right after the right after that happens, some guy in the crowd just yells, "That's some wrestling right there!" <laughs> Incredible. Uh, there's uh, they they fight through using chairs. O'Reilly forearms Cole in the face through a chair. Yes, that was brutal. That was. And for some reason, that causes Kevin Kelly to yell, "Axe and smash!" Oh, okay. That must be a thing. I guess so, or he just really likes the old tag team demolition. <laughs> there was, there's one really cool thing that I like that, out of that O'Reilly does quite a bit is when he sets up the chair in the corner and like does like the running off the apron drop kick. Oh yes. I always think that looks really cool. Yeah, that is good. Oh, uh, they both go. There's a couple of a uh, couple of table spots as well. There was the one on the outside where O'Reilly had Colin like a sleeper, like a front facing. I think I described that. Yeah, they both just go crash. That was right in front of me as well, so that's where I was. I was right by that. Okay, and you were probably freaking out at that point. I was marking out. <laughs> I knew it was coming as well. I don't know how, how it was shot on the show, but I could see the table was lined up perfectly. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Got my phone out ready to record it. <laughs> it was like a good moment to be right there by that. And there was a superplex as well through the top rope in the ring. There was that brutal... Brutal, like, uh, like a sidewalk sound or backbreaker type thing where the two chairs were set up. Yes, yes. Now, Cole, uh, Cole originally set them up so that the flat bits of the chair were facing each other. I'm going to be terrible at describing Then this. he, like, turns them around to where the back, and, like, it makes, like, a peak. Yes. Where, like, the two spines of the chair are back-to-back facing each other as this devastating point of pain. <laughs> uh, and then Cole got slammed right onto them, which looked brutal. I remember like Necro Butcher did something similar back in the day, and it's crazy. Oh, it makes like my back hurt just like thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, then like the chain comes into play. Uh, they tie a chain ac- around the top rope, and O'Reilly chokes Cole with it. Then Cole uses the chain to clothesline O'Reilly. Mm. Uh, O'Reilly. A literal like a literal clothesline. A literal clothesline. Yeah. 
Uh, O'Reilly no-sells a couple of chair shots and a German suplex. Uh, then Cole hits O'Reilly with a shining wizard through a chair, but O'Reilly kicks out, which I which I thought might have been the end of it. But mm. uh, Cole sets up a table and he teases a top rope Canadian destroyer through the table, <laughs> <laughs> which would have been the best ending of any match ever. <laughs> but then O'Reilly counters it with a superplex through the table. Uh, they sit in chairs and punch each other for a bit. Oh yeah, because they, they sort of were going back and back and forth on strikes, weren't they? And then he's kind of hit simultaneously and fell back into the chairs, sat down. And they started just punching each other in the chairs, which yeah, I guess that's cool. Like, if you're, if you're too tired to keep going, like I hate you so much, just take a sit and keep punching each other. <laughs> so then O'Reilly hits a brainbuster on a chair. He wraps a chain around Cole's throat and arm. Mm. And locks in an armbar and turns it into a triangle choke, and he and, and he wins. And then and then after that, then after the after after the match, O'Reilly's like on the ground, selling how hurt he is. Somebody yeah. throws a streamer and hits him directly in the eye. <laughs> oh, no. So he like I'm not sure if you noticed like how quickly he like jumped up and like started like walking around holding his eye. But that was because of that. Like, it hits him square in the eye. Oh, God. <laughs> and that was the very last note I had about the show. Was the promo that I did on the show, was that? That that was post-show. I, I didn't see any promo. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so after the match, uh, Cole was helped out by referees with mice packs on his neck. I don't know if he was hurt or they would just kind of sell him. But um, Riley just did a promo. Thanked everyone for coming. Went round the entire ringside and, like, High fived everyone, even me. Um, and then Bobby Fish came out, kind of hugged him, celebrated with him, and that was the end of the show. So overall, how would you rate your first ever Ring of Honor live experience? I really enjoyed it. I'd go. I'd definitely go again. I had a really good time, and it was it was funny that after not seeing it for so long, I could just sort of slot right back in and not almost as if I hadn't missed a beat. The only bit of extreme confusion was the the P boy gang or whoever you were saying when they came out, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really fun show. I, I, I think to call it a super card is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, considering there was no the, there was no real world title match because that was just an impromptu here you go. There was, As far as I'm aware, there wasn't even a tag title match so I didn't even know that was for the belts. And there was, the TV champion wasn't there. So I can understand how it doesn't really feel like a super card. But it was still a fun but show. But it was still a very solid show. Um, I think if, we, if that happened back in the day of the RH cast and the website, we would have all been pretty pleased with this and gave it a, a, a decent review, definitely. I think If you were to review this on the ROH world scale, where would you put it? We did it on a scale of five. Yeah, I'd probably give it about, it? I think probably give it about three and a half. Give it a solid three and a half. seven overall, which I think is a good score. Yeah, no, it was. I I definitely enjoyed it. Obviously, being there live will make it. Being there live, it's always better than it is watching it because you're there in the crowd, the atmosphere, you're seeing it right in front of you. So I'd probably rate it slightly higher, maybe like a, a four on the RH World scale. But yeah, absolutely, I, I enjoyed it. If you haven't watched this show and listened to this podcast, I don't know who is going to listen to this and why they would, <laughs> but if you are. I'd recommend watching this show. No idea if night one's any good. Neither of us have seen it. But night two, absolutely worth a watch. I agree. So 
Do you have to buy each show individually? Yes. Or is it like a bundle of night one and night two? You can buy. You, you have to buy each show individually. I don't think they should offer a bundle. That'd be a, a bundle. Yeah, it's cheaper or something. Because each one individually is fifteen dollars. If you offered a bundle for twenty or twenty-five dollars, I think you'd get a lot more buys. Yeah, that makes sense. When it's the same name, you know, Supercard of Honor, Part One and Part Two, it makes sense to just group them together, but obviously not. So there we go. That wraps up our review and discussion and recap of Supercard of Honor 10 X10, maybe? Was it an X10 in this? I don't know. But it was Supercard of Honor 10 Night 2 from Dallas, Texas. So would you call this the highlight of your trip to America? Unfortunately not, as I was in Dallas for other reasons than Ring of Honor, but it was still a good time. Everyone I, I took two friends with me who weren't really big, who never never really have been into Ring of Honor, but they both enjoyed it. And um, the tickets were quite cheap considering how close it was. It was only fifty dollars, which compared to what you pay at WWE shows is a uh, great value for money. So, no, it was, it was really good. I had a great time. I would if Ring of Honor say ever came to the UK, I would go and see it. If I'm ever at another WrestleMania, I'll go and see it. But I wouldn't ever go to America just to see Ring of Honor. Was this your first time in America? No, it was not. I've been to New York uh, a few years ago. This is my first time in Texas, though. So how does uh, Dallas compare to New York? Dallas was very a weird city where everything was really spread out. Have you ever been to Dallas? I, I have not, but I live in a city. I mean, everything is bigger in Texas. Everything in Texas is really spread out, but uh, I live in Jacksonville, which is kind of similar, where it is just a hugely spread out city, so I can kind of feel your pain there. Yeah, because uh, the first couple of days I'd just be walking around, would come across a couple of bars and restaurants, and then there'd just be nothing for a while. There wasn't really a central hub of activity where all the marks were. It was just kind of <laughs> everyone was spread out. I ended up getting Uber a hell of a lot. Uber is awesome. I'm terrified to use Uber. We used it so much, and it was amazing. Nothing bad happened. It was all good. I'd totally recommend it. So I have an idea for a horror movie revolving around either Uber or a taxi driver. I think that's surely someone's making that, or it's it must. It's such a good, good foundation of horror film there. Although everyone would then shit the pants and never want to get an Uber again. Well, then, then I'd come up with a different business that's similar to Uber, <laughs> and then make double the money. <laughs> so yeah, no, I had a really good time. Dallas was the weather was great, much better than over here. Apart from everything being spread out, I had a nice time. It was very busy, so because of all the wrestling shows I went to, so I didn't really have much time to see the city, but the stuff I did see was nice, and everyone over there was really friendly. They seemed to like British people. Everyone was really nice to us. Yeah, I think in general, America really likes British people. I think, I think that's no matter where you go in America, that's going to be true. But I don't know if everyone being so friendly is just a Dallas thing or a Texas thing or what, but everyone was really nice while we were over there. Um, some fantastic food, had some amazing barbecue, some good Mexican food. Overall, I had a great time. Well, I know you texted me probably about 5 o'clock, probably 5 or 6 o'clock Eastern time, so it had to be 4 or 5 o'clock Central time, and you texted me asking if you're supposed to tip bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that confuses the hell out of me in America, is tipping and tax. Because in the UK, the price you see on an item in a shop includes VAT, which is the tax. So when you go up to the till, it's the exact same price. 
Yeah. So that's one initial source of confusion in, in America, which I was already aware of because of my time in New York. Yeah. That... But then tipping is kind of expected, right? Yeah. When you go to a restaurant, you're expected to tip the waiter or waitress who served you a baseline. Which explains why they're all so nice. Yeah. They're trying. They're trying to get a get their living and you know the... so it, it's 15 to 20 percent right that's what i was told yeah like a good baseline is 15 percent then you can go as, basically as high as you want to but uh, okay. if, you, if you're satisfied you want to tip at least 15 percent see in in the uk tipping isn't really as expected like you only really do it if they have earned it so if you think oh yeah they were good i'll tip there i'll tip this if they were just normal or didn't really care about you that much you just pay your bill and that's it but one thing I didn't realize is that when I was ordering all these cocktails and stuff, I was supposed to be giving some money to the bartender when, even when they were just passing a beer. Does that require a tip? They're literally just getting one out of like a cooler and handing it to you. Um, I'd say that's iffy. It depends. But if they're making you a cocktail. Yeah, I, I'd tip for that. But say like you get like five beers that they just have to hand to you like that, like over a course of a night. I'd probably mm-hmm. tip on the last one just like j- just as a courtesy kind of thing. It's a good thing I had you as my resource to check that with, and it probably was a bit too late because I'd been already in Dallas for a few days at that point. I'm sure they thought we were some very rude British people. Well, I liked how you texted me at, like, probably no later than 6 o'clock my time. How long had you been at the bar that day? (laughs) Well, the hotel we were at had a pool with, like, a cocktail bar next to it, so we'd kind of go there a lot. So I was getting these drinks, and I just suddenly thought, I wonder if I'm supposed to be tipping these people. Because <laughs> I was getting cocktails, I was getting strawberry daiquiris all the time. So I thought I'd check, am I supposed to be tipping them? And then I did from that point onwards. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I could help. Yes. Um, so there we go. Now that you've seen Supercard of Honor 10 Day 2, your first Ring of Honor show in two and a bit years, are you going to watch Ring of Honor going forward? I might check out when they do one of the big like pay-per-views that are come on TV, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if I'll unless there's anything amazing that really catches my eye. I doubt I'll keep up with it on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't really have the time to watch it on a regular basis, and after watching it, the show was great, but it didn't like blow my mind and make me want to watch Ring of Honor on a regular basis like it did when I watched Death of Odds on an eight when I first got into Ring of Honor. But I think the wrestling industry was a different time back then. And if you would have shown me this show back then, I would have had the same reaction. I was like, oh, yes, let's start ROH World, blah, blah, blah. But now, with NXT and how that's evolved, I kind of don't really need Ring of Honor in my life. Do you know what I mean? Kind of how I feel because what I really... Before, I would watch WWE, but then I'd watch Ring of Honor for the real proper wrestling. And that would be... Where that'd be my go-to for that, but now NXT kind of takes that spot, and there's a lot of the Ring of Honor guys, like El Generico's over there now, Tyler Black's over there now, Steen, Steen, Steen's over there now, Claudio, yeah, exactly. So all these guys that I used to watch are over there, so I just kind of watch that instead, and don't feel the need to watch this. It was still good, and I still enjoyed it, but I don't really have anything going forward that makes me like it's hooked me make me want to watch the TV show every week. Not that we ever did anyway. <laughs> or or watch the pay per views going forward. And like you said earlier, it feels like we've missed nothing with a lot of these matches, like between the two years. Mm-hmm. If not much has changed in two years, it's gonna be kinda of hard to get really back into it knowing like, well, I'm not sure how much is going to change in the next two years. 
Yeah, there's not really. If if perhaps if a lot had changed, we'd be like, oh, you know, I kind of want to watch to see what's going on here. But the fact that we watched it and it just kind of felt the same, part of the course sort of thing, it's just like, well, you know, nothing's changing. No need to check that out. Yeah, the only guy that only guy that really caught my interest was Donovan Dijak that I hadn't seen before. Well, we really want to know about Trif Martini's neck. I think that's the most important thing we need to solve. Yes, that that is that is kind of scary and terrifying, but mm. I'm actually gonna so, yeah. I'm actually gonna Google right now. Truth Martini broken neck, see what happens. So I'll try and stall while John is doing that. Um I hope you've been heading over to rhwood.com and discussing Ring of Honor with the lovely community on there over the past two and a half years. Well <laughs> okay. Uh the first line of this is fantastic. It says I just googled it, and you know how it has a little like um, preview at the bottom, of, like under like the link. Like it, right. it says, uh, "Can confirm Truth Martini is currently doing erotic poetry with Jay Lethal." What? I'm not <laughs> sure what that means. That's incredible. Erotic poetry. All right, so according to Mr. Dave Meltzer, I'm not sure if this is a credible source or not, but Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter tweeted on April on February the 28th, 2016, that the Truth Martini thing at the ROH tapings was an angle for Dijak to get over. Well, no, I don't like Dijak anymore. You know, why, what? Why not? He broke Truth Martini's neck, even if it was just an angle. But, but you already knew that. <laughs> that that's a good point. I I'd already forgotten about that. I forgot I, I forgot who did it. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Truth Martini's fine, everybody. He's just off doing erotic poetry. Erotic poetry. Well, on that note, on that bombshell, I think that might bring an end to the episode two hundred twenty-six or whatever this is of the ROH cast. There is no news. There's no fan questions to talk about. So unless there's anything else, John, I think that brings an end to this. Uh, Extravaganza. Yeah, I think we can safely say we'll see everybody else again in two, two and a half years. Yeah, the next time either one of us attends the Ring of Honor event live, we'll be back here to review it, share our live experience. But until then, I don't know what to say, and we will see you all in the future, maybe. <laughs>